just a, a couple things. My mom is still alive. Um, just be praying. We're just praying that she goes home for those of you that are guests. She's 85 and got dementia. And, um, she's in a facility that's can only be there 30 days, and she's got about uh, 10 or 11 more days, and then she's got to move out if she doesn't pass before then. So that's a little stress on my family back in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then um, Todd, be praying for Todd. He's got a, a pretty big deal Thursday, another scan that basically shows us if the chemo is working. So uh, just be praying for Todd this week and just trust the Lord with, with the Dole Beer family. So um, we, we left last week in John chapter 17, verse 17, and I think that's all I'm going to try to cover today is one verse. This 17 is um, we, we talked about the word sanctify, and I said that there were three parts to being sanctified. There was uh, the, the part of salvation where once we are believers in Jesus Christ as the Son of God that we become sanctified. It's past tense. It's a completed process. I'll explain that here in just a second. And then there's the other process of uh, we're being sanctified. The Scripture also says that we're being sanctified. So now you have a conflict in the Scriptures that says, wait, we're already sanctified, but we're being sanctified. How is that possible? I'll explain that to you here in just a second. And then the third one says that uh, eventually we will be completely sanctified. And I'll explain that to you. Three parts. So when I left, Luke Dunnett comes up to me and goes, do you have verses to explain the second one? Like, you're not going to use that Hebrews, are you? Yeah. Yeah, I've got verses. So uh, Luke, Luke challenged me on giving you verses to prove what I'm saying up here. So today... I've come prepared to give you verses, and Luke is not here. <laughs> Luke said he is in Kentucky, and he's going to be listening. So, uh, Luke, I hope you're listening. <laughs> I'm not your father. Uh, so it's it's been kind of interesting to uh, go through this process this week and... and come prepared today to answer Luke's question. But I look at John chapter 17, verse 17, and it says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Liam, come here a second. I'm going to use you as a prop. You know, I used to take my shoes off when I was in church. I was at First Baptist Church, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I'd sit down front like all the good teenagers did. That's how you knew they were good, as they sat down front. <laughs> and uh, I used to take my socks and shoes off. Well, First Baptist Tulsa had like this balcony. And someday, one day, somebody saw me take my shoes off, and they told my mom. Rusty took his socks and shoes off in church, and she chewed me out. Because I took my socks and shoes off in church. So 
Liam, you're welcome to take your socks and shoes off here in church. It's not that big of a deal. It's, well, so, uh, Liam, let me ask you a personal question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, he said yes, he knows Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Now, uh, how old are you? Nine. Nine years old. How much of this Bible do you know? I don't know. <laughs> how much do you know? Too much. You know too much? <laughs> not enough. Do you know as much as I do? Probably not. Probably not. Because I'm 54 years old, and I've been studying that for a long time, and I've gone to seminary, and I've gone to college, and done all this. I've been teaching for years, and i got a lot of Bible knowledge up here. Do you think it's as much as that you do? So, you want to know something cool? Sure. That verse right there behind you, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. A lot of people were taught... The way that you get sanctified is that you know the word. And that's not what that's saying. That's not what that's saying. It's saying, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. Uh, I want to tell you something really cool. I am sanctified completely. And so are you. You... Being a nine-year-old, and maybe not knowing as much as I do, are the same. You and I are both sanctified because it's not about knowing the truth. It's about what Christ did for us on the cross. And when he did that, what he did for me, he also did for you because you believe in him. And so, therefore, he sanctified you fully, just like he did me fully in our person, in our person. Thank you. You can go take your socks and shoes off. You've got to get this. This is a big deal. Because this will cause you to walk differently. It will cause you to treat people in your home differently. It will cause you to see things differently. And it's all just a matter of understanding what the scripture says about it. The question here is, who sanctifies you? Sanctify them by the truth. The truth is just a tool. That's it. This is a tool. I I use this on a daily basis. If I'm not having the physical or my phone or something that I can read the word, I also have it locked right here. Have it locked right here. I have the word. All right, and it's a tool. But the question I ask you is who sanctifies us? Huh? God. God's the one that does the sanctifying. Not me, not you. God does that. He uses the truth to sanctify us. It's just a tool. So all these things that you grew up understanding, this statement, the more truth you know, the more holy you become. 
You've done it your whole life. You've walked into church and you've identified the people that know the Bible well. That those prayer warriors, you know who I'm talking about. You can name them. And you think that they're more holy than anybody else in the church. That is a false statement. That is false. You've also been told probably by your parents, maybe by a pastor, hopefully not this pastor, that the better that you behave, the more holy you become. Good luck with that. I taught that for years, and it just caused me stress. Your person, Liam, your person, who you are, your spirit and soul cannot be improved on upon the moment that you believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Take a deep breath. There is nothing more you can do to improve upon who you are as a person. That's it. All you did was believe. You just said, Lord, please. That's it. He did the rest. He's the one that sanctifies. Now, I said this, and this is what you have to understand. If this past tense, sanctified, is a done deal, it's complete, I have to begin to appropriate what it means for me. And I look at Acts chapter 26, verse 17. It says, I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Past tense. Jesus actually said this. He said that you're sanctified in faith. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed. You were sanctified, past tense. You were justified, past tense, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Who did the sanctifying? The Spirit of our God. Not you. Not you. He did it. Hebrews 2.11. 2.11 says, For the one who sanctified, the one who's the one, that's God. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. God, again, sanctifies and he's, those who have belief in Jesus have become sanctified. Is there anything that you can do to sanctify yourself any more than you already are? Absolutely not. And then Hebrews 10.10 10 says this. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of, of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. How many times did Jesus die on the cross? 
How many times did Jesus die on the cross? One time, once. He died one time. He took care of it past, present, future. He died for all those in the past, died for all those in the present, died for all those in the future. Everything that you're going to do, he took care of it. And guess what? He sanctified you. Now, some of you are sitting there going, okay, so what does sanctified actually mean? Sanctified actually means the word holy. That you have been made holy. People go, okay, well, it's holy. Holy means that you have been set apart. You are absolutely different than those who are unbelievers. You've been set apart. And it's been a process that has already been completed. And you can't do anything to improve upon it. How complete are you? How complete are you? 100%. Nothing you can do. Now, here's where Luke challenged me. I said that uh, my behavior is still being sanctified. Uh, In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, it says this. For this is God's will, your sanctification. Who's he writing to here? He's writing to the church, right? He's writing to the church. He's writing to those who already believe in Jesus. And he says, for this is God's will, your sanctification. God wants you to be sanctified. Hmm. But I thought I already was sanctified based upon all those other verses that I read. It says, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God, unlike the unbelievers. Wait, he's saying to the believers that God's will for you is your sanctification, that you would behave properly. That leads me to believe there that... uh, there's work to be done, but if I'm already made complete in my holiness, in my sanctification, there's something that needs to change. What is it? It's my behavior. It's my behavior. If when I receive salvation, I was made holy, blameless, and righteous just as we sat here and sang this song with the guys... If I was made, if I was sanctified, they even sing the word sanctified. If I was sanctified, what happens to my sinful patterns that I'm still continuing? Do you hear what I'm saying? As a person, my soul and spirit, this is, this is a big deal because my soul and spirit is eternal. When I die, when my mom dies here in the next few days, hopefully, that earth suit that is just rotting away in bed right now is going to be buried. But who she is, soul and spirit, is eternal. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. I know my mom will be with the Lord. Her soul and spirit, it's already sanctified. 
that's a big deal. I'm separating myself right here. I'm separating myself. I'm soul and spirit. This is who I am. This is who I want you sitting right here to see. I get that you see my physical body. I get that you see what I do. I get that you see what I say. But look at me for who I am. That's a big deal. When you can, you can look at your spouse, when you can look at your kids and go, man, Jesus did this for me. He had to have done that for them. He had to have made them holy. And if you see your spouse, your kids, your workers that are believers as holy, righteous, redeemed, and sanctified, you respond to them differently. Trust me. But I think the key is for you to understand that about yourself first. That that's who you are. That was the deal for me is I had to figure it out for myself first. So the question is, how do you change your behavior? If that's God's desire, if that's God's will for me to receive sanctification of my behavior, for my behavior to be set apart, how do I get there, right? That's the big question. The question that you all want to know. How many of you have been completely successful in perfecting your behavior? Anybody? Anybody in here want to raise their hand on that one? I see some maybes. Uh, The question I ask you is, okay, what percentage of your behavior has been perfected? Hmm. I believed in Jesus when I was eight. I went through some pretty rough years as a teenager, uh, you know, my percentage. But I think that as I've gotten older, my percentage of my behavior has increased. But guess what? It's not perfected. Hang out with me for a while. You'll see. It's not. I still blow it. I still make bad choices. I'll still fail you. Trust me. But here's what I do know. Is that because of my belief and because I've been born again, been born again, taken out my old heart, put a new heart of flesh in, I've made new, been made new, it's made me hungry for understanding who I am in Christ. Like, there's, I honestly believe there's no way that you can come to an understanding that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for your sins and that he forgave you and made you holy, righteous, redeemed, without having some kind of hunger. I'm sitting there thinking about this whole process this week as Luke's like challenged me. And then last night, last night after I came home from the redneck race, the Lord says, here's your point. I'll show you this. Most of you know that I have a, 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 a pet, right? It's an albino raccoon and it's wild. So wild that it comes to my door every night and begs for food. Her name is Francisca. 
It used to be Francisco. But then she became Francisca because she had babies. And so like every year she would come to my door probably around April or May and she would leave in like September, October and we don't know where she goes in the winter. They don't hibernate. We've done all this investigating. But usually sometime during the summer she'll bring her new brood. She always has a new brood that comes. Well, this year she started coming out in the daytime and didn't bring her brood with her. She's like, I want the food for myself. It's really what she did. I got home last night, and she was standing at the door, and guess what was there? Look at this. What's the, what, what are the pups doing there? Close your eyes, kids. <laughs> Guess what? God said, you know what? They were born that way. They were born hungry. They were born that way. He's just like saying, look, if you're born again in Christ, you will be hungry for the things of God. And he's like, look. I show you. You're born that way. All right, you can cut. They're they're gonna watch that all day. <laughs> Is that not the coolest thing? I think God really loves me by giving me this coon has been like coming to my back door for six years. Six years that albino raccoon, and she's brought. She's had two white ones over the years, but uh, it's just a cool thing, and I I love it. Every night I look for Francisco to come to the door, and last night God used that to say, you know what. Those little critters were born hungry, and you know what? If you become a believer in Jesus Christ, there's no way that you can become a believer and not be hungry for the things of God. And I believe that. And so it's as we become hungry for the things of God that we begin to think and process, and it begins to impact my behavior. I can can literally try to change my behavior on my own, and again, that's me doing it in my own strength and under my own power, and I've already told you that I've failed at that. And so now, I'm having to trust the Lord. I'm having to trust the Lord to change my behavior. I'm freeing some of you up in this room right here. Because... Some of you have struggled, including myself, with certain areas. But I go to the scripture and I sit in and I read. I'll go to Hebrews 2.11. Luke, you listening? Hebrews 2.11. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one father. Who sanctifies? For the one who sanctifies, God the Father sanctifies. Now, you're sitting there saying, yeah, but that doesn't really say that it sanctifies the behavior. Luke, I know that you use the New American Standard Bible. And if you open up your Bible and you look, there's a little number one right there by are sanctified. And if you look at that note, it also says, or are being sanctified. Did you hear that? For the one who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified all have one father. 
it says right there that are being sanctified. Now, you get the process, right, that you could interpret that passage of Scripture right there saying, okay, you've already got people that have believed in Jesus Christ, but then you've got those that are going to believe in Jesus Christ or are currently believe, starting to believe in Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that are being sanctified. I get that. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. It says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You, you get this, right? We're saved from the penalty of sin, correct? Like, you came to the recognition that you're all sinners, and that because of your belief in Jesus Christ, He's freed you from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin being what? Death. So now you have eternal life. And then we're being saved, it says in the process, but to us who are being saved, what am I being saved from? In the process of being saved, I'm being saved from the power of sin. Oh, goodness, we just opened up a can of worms. I'm currently being saved from the power of sin. Paul says in Romans chapter 7 that there's this, there's this entity, this power, this, this sin that dwells in my flesh, and it causes me to do things that I don't naturally want to do. It's constantly, do you guys get those same nasty messages? I mean, probably not the exact same ones I get, but you get messages all the time, right? Up here in your head, this is the battle. You get tempted to do things that you know you're not supposed to be doing. That's what we call the power of sin. And I'm currently in my presence right now being saved from that power of sin. In other words, Jesus has given me the ability to not sin. He's given me the ability to go up here and to think with the mind of Christ that he's given me. I know this is really deep. But he's saving me from this power of sin currently. So he's already saved me from the penalty of sin. And he's in the process of saving me from the power of sin. And in the future, we will be saved from the presence of sin. In other words, when I'm out of this unredeemed body and I get to heaven, there's a glorified body that's waiting for me. And guess what? I don't have to deal with sin at all. There will be no sin in heaven. And so someday I will be saved from that presence of sin, but right now I'm being saved from the power of sin. It's a big deal. But again, I ask the question, who's doing the sanctifying? God. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. All right, here we go. I'll break this down. Let's get real with this. What's being transformed? It says, are being transformed into the same image. I'm already sanctified as a person. So what is being transformed? It's my behavior right now here on earth that's being transformed. The question is, again, 
who does the transforming. It says, from the Lord, the Spirit. So what do I have to do? (laughs) Pastor, friend, Rusty, tell me, what is it that I have to do? I'll be flat out honest with you. You have to set yourself in the right environment. Oh, gosh, that means I have to do something. <laughs> mm, not really. Look, I, I've been doing this a long time. I deal and have dealt with people who have addictions and strong sinful behavior patterns all the time. In fact, we've spent thousands of dollars, we, this ministry, has spent thousands of dollars trying to clean, trying to change, trying to erase believers' behaviors in this very room. And it works. Well, some of the time. Well, for a season. But you want to know, here's the answer. You want to know the defining factor of changing one's behavior. I believe it's changing your environment. As a youth minister, as a pastor, as a youth minister, you say it to your kids. It's all about who you hang out with. It's all about who you hang out with. As parents, as adults, I'm going to say the same thing to you. It's all about who you hang out with. If we're reflecting the image of Christ, the question is, who are you looking at in the mirror? What is your environment? Your past has gotten you in the same place over and over and over, and I ask you the question, are you looking at the image of God or are you looking at the things that got you where you've once been? Are you hanging around the same people that eventually cause you to end up with the same result time after time? Now, I'm... Sitting here, I I hear my own self saying, man, you're saying that you have to do something. Well, it's kind of obvious. It says right there, if you want to reflect the image of Christ, you've got to, like, look at the image of Christ. You've got to look at him. You've got to, you can't just, like, walk away from him. Are you hanging around the people that are going to impact you and cause you to focus on the image of the Spirit of God? Or are you hanging around the people that, cause you to make bad decisions in the past. Now, this sounds bad. I'm going to say this. This sounds really bad. This, this, This sounds kind of like a control thing from a pastor, but just let me get this out here and just understand my heart. Uh, but I've done this long enough and people ask me if I take attendance. No, I don't take attendance, but I do take role. I, 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 yeah, you go, okay, now you're playing semantics. I literally go home and I write in my database a little check mark by everybody that's here. 
Yeah, I do, every week. I don't care about the numbers. I mean, people around me know that we do this. In fact, I'll sit with some people at lunch and go, was such and such there today? I didn't see him. I, I, I literally know almost everybody here in this room. And so I go home, and within 24 hours, I take roll. And there's a reason for that. I want to see who's not been around us for a season. I want to see who's not hanging out in our environment. And if you're not hanging out in our environment, there's a red flag that goes up here for me. That's the only reason I do it. I don't care about numbers, but I care about what's going on with you. And your presence here is a good way of tracking that. That makes it sound like, oh, you have to be here if you want to be a good person. No, it's just, it's, I've watched it for years. When they stop showing up, there's a great possibility that something's happening in their life and they've lost focus. Just saying. I understand you guys have patterns. Some of you come every other week. Some of you, I get all that, you know. I've watched it. I'm not saying coming to church makes you have better behavior. I'm definitely not saying that. I'm just saying it's a red flag. No big deal. I get it. And here's here's what happens. I see the red flag. And I go, okay, Spirit, am I supposed to say something? Am I supposed to go to them? Would they have ears to hear me? Am I just supposed to let them know, hey, you're missed? What am I supposed to do? Your your absence here could be a sign that things have or are derailing in your life and that your focus has shifted i'm not putting pressure on you to be here what i'm saying to you is the focus has to be on christ i don't care if it's here some other place whatever whatever it is it has to be on christ you have to look for the people who are going to encourage you in your walk. You have to look to the word of God for answers. It's the whole verse that we're focused on today. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. If you want to be sanctified in your behavior, look at what the word of God says. You have to focus on the things above. Looking in the mirror, they have to be the image of God. If you're looking at things that are not the image of God, you're going to be distracted and it's going to affect your behavior. That's it. It's simple. You'll begin to reflect what you're focused on. First Thessalonians 4, verse 3 says this. We're getting ready to close up. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. How do you know? You know God the Father. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, this is a verse I use all the time. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul 
and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is an active, active statement there. It's something that continually happens. And again, I ask the question, who does the sanctifying? Who does the changing of behavior? It's Christ. It's God the Father. 2 Timothy 2.21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. That verse right there sounds like we're responsible for changing our behavior. Whoa. But if you, if you run it through all 66 books, you know that that can't be true. So you have to assume that Paul is assuming that Timothy is doing this by a source of another. He's written this letter to Timothy, and he's assuming that Timothy understands that it's God the Father that's changing his behavior. And then the last verse there, Hebrews ten fourteen, For by one offering he has perfected all time those who are sanctified. What can you do to make yourself more perfect? Nothing. If I hear any of you say, well, I'm not perfect, I guarantee I'll be right behind you going, oh, yes, you are. You need to know who you are in Christ. You have been perfected once and for all. By the blood of Jesus Christ. And the last thing, the third one, says, My behavior will be sanctified in heaven. I got one verse. First John three says this Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears We will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. I will be as righteous as Jesus is righteous because of what he did when I'm in heaven. In heaven, when we're void of this body and this earth suit, which houses the power of sin we no longer have to deal with sin. Sanctified. You're saved from the penalty of sin. You're being saved from the power of sin. And in the future, you will be saved from sin, period. Father, I pray that we can truly grasp what you're saying here. I trust that it's going to be you that changes the behavior of my friends. I pray that the pressure is taken off of them to change their own behavior. And that you would do that. For those that have struggled all their lives. For those who are struggling temporarily that they trust you, they focus on you, they keep their eyes on you. That's my prayer. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.